welcome to Music of the River City. This is your host, Chris Gooden. I like statements that start like this. There are two kinds of people in this world. I like these statements because whatever follows is usually so absurdly reductive that it tells you more about the person making the statement than the statement itself tells you about the world. With that in mind, I would like to start this episode by saying there are two kinds of people in this world, those who hear music and those who experience music. It's pretty easy to tell the difference between these two types of people. Have you ever gotten goosebumps listening to a song? Do you identify the different phases and stages of your life by what you were listening to at the time? Do you know the twists and turns of your favorite album like you know the road home? Then you experience music. If you've ever been riding in the car with someone who had to shush you when a certain song came on, then you hear music. There's a Seinfeld episode about this exact scenario where the guy Elaine is dating shushes her every time Desperado comes on the radio. Although he was the butt of the joke in that episode, I totally identified with that guy. If you're an experiencer of music, then this episode is for you. Today features an interview with Dan Edney, the owner and operator of Mighty River Records. We talk about our shared love of vinyl and what makes listening to an album on vinyl such a unique experience. If you're a music lover, you should be listening to your favorite records on vinyl. And if you're a vinyl lover, you should check out Mighty River Records at the Levy Street Marketplace. I'd also recommend that you follow Mighty River Records on Facebook. You'll see posts when they get new inventory and get listening recommendations. My interview with Dan Edney of Mighty River Records is coming up, but first... Music I love, and I think you'll love too. On this segment of Music I Love, and I think you'll love too, I want to talk about the song Chameleon by Herbie Hancock. I love this song because of the funky bass line that hits you right off the bat and the slightly off-kilter drum beat that comes in as the song takes off. It's one of those songs that will have you bobbing your head the whole time. Now, you may not recognize the name Herbie Hancock, but you've probably heard his music. If for no other reason, then he wrote the theme song for the TV show Fat Albert. TV theme songs aside, though, his list of musical accomplishments is pretty long. He was a child prodigy on classical piano. He played in Miles Davis' second great quintet in the 60s, was a pioneer of funk music in the 70s, and his proto-hip-hop song Rocket was one of the first songs with record scratching to get played on MTV. Chameleon comes from Herbie's 1973 album, Headhunters. Herbie briefly studied electrical engineering in college and is a self-professed gadget nut. Naturally, he was an early adopter of synthesizers, and that catchy bass line that you hear throughout the whole song is actually being played by Herbie on synth, while the strumming part that sounds like rhythm guitar is being played on the upper frets of the electric bass. If you're in a band, this is a great song to learn because your bass player will love being featured and it's really fun to solo over. You just stick to the minor pentatonic scale and it sounds great. I love the song Chameleon by Herbie Hancock, and I think you'll love it too. Check it out. All right, I'm with Dr. Dan Edney of Mighty River Records, here to talk about uh, all things vinyl and records and uh, what the record collecting uh, hobby looks like today in 2020. Dr. Edney, thank you for being on the show. Glad to be with you. So for, for listeners who don't uh, know or aren't familiar with Mighty River Records, Dr. Edney, real quick, do you just kind of want to tell uh, people out there what Mighty River Records is, where it's at, and that kind of thing? Yeah, Chris, it is the 
best record booth in Mississippi. Okay. That's our, that's one of our mottos. We're a pretty good sized booth located at Levy Street Marketplace that caters to the true audiophile selling new LPs, previously loved vintage LPs, CDs, T-shirts, posters, pretty much you name it when it comes to those of us who love music. We, okay. We try to have it. Awesome. And I will say that my son Joshua has one of the posters that has a Led Zeppelin poster hanging up in his room that he got at Mighty River. So yeah, there's all kinds of cool stuff there, t-shirts and that kind of thing. So Dr. Edney is the, is the proprietor owner of this record store. And we're going to talk in a little while about how that came to be. But the first thing I wanted to do to start the conversation is just kind of ask you in, in the year 2020, why would somebody listen to vinyl? Why vinyl when there's all these other options for consuming music? Well, the vinyl has its own unique experience with music and is much more conducive to a true music lover's collection of music than any other format. And I've pretty much the music that I love, I have in every format you can have. I've got mm -hmm. digital downloads, I've got CDs, I've got new repress vinyl, and then I have old vintage vinyl, and it all serves its purpose. But if you've never listened to the sound of your favorite album on a nice turntable with a good solid sound system by using vinyl, then you've, you've missed a unique experience with that music that you love. You know, being a teenager of the seventies, that's what I grew up with. Mm -hmm. And then college in the eighties, you know, that's my whole collection was vinyl, but going to CDs in the late 80s and 90s, that was so cool and just magical, that crisp, mm -hmm. pure sound. And we all shifted to it until uh, we almost killed the vinyl industry and then realized we were missing something. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, there's nothing like picking out your, the album, the album itself, the LP, and mm -hmm. doing the artwork on the cover, opening it, pulling your disc out, looking at your disc, looking at the insert artwork, putting it on your turntable, and then that sound and that feeling of your needle coming down to your disc for the first time, and you hear that wonderful little pop, and then you hear the rich tones coming out from the vinyl. It's something totally unique in and of itself. And what's really cool is that the younger generation, actually your generation and younger have mm -hmm. picked up on that, even though y'all didn't grow up with vinyl like right. I did. You have rediscovered the importance of vinyl and y'all were the ones that are driving the vinyl industry right now. So I have a couple of follow-ups I want to ask you about that. But before I do, I want to just sort of corroborate what you said about a different listening experience um, with an experience that I had over Christmas. There's an album that I really like. It's one of my favorite albums. It's called Feeling the Spirit by a guitarist named Grant Green. And I've always I've had it downloaded on my phone for probably five years. I've listened to it literally hundreds of times on my phone, um, in my truck, with the headphones, on my computer, whatever. For Christmas this year, uh, my mom and dad got me that album on vinyl. And so, uh, you know, I, I got it home and sat down, put it on the turntable and it started coming over the speakers and I listened to it the whole thing through. And this album that I had listened to hundreds of times, I heard things on the vinyl that I had never heard little things that I had never picked up on 
listening to it on on vinyl, like you say, and through the, the bigger speakers or, or, you know, good sound system. And so it was a completely different experience, even for something that I knew really well, musically, intimately well. Um, I heard new things um, listening to the vinyl. So, yeah, I, I would say, you know, even if you're not an audiophile or, a, you know, you don't consider yourself a sound snob or whatever, it is a different experience. And I, I, would, I, I would corroborate and agree with that. There are a lot of the older albums that you only have experienced on CDs or digital downloads were actually analog productions in the studio meant for vinyl. Right. And so a lot was lost to that the producers built into the album mm -hmm. when they converted to different formats. And when you go back to vinyl, then you get the original sound that was intended. The digital downloads and CDs are for me to enjoy listening to when I'm doing something else. Mm -hmm. When I'm listening to vinyl, I'm sitting down and enjoying the music and nothing else. I'm, I'm the same way. And to me, it's, it, it's also part of what makes it, it makes it a listening experience, whether the background something that's in the background. It's right. it's sort of the entertainment, which I, I like and appreciate. Um, so, but let me circle back to um, something you said about listening to it through the audio equipment, because that's something I wanted to ask you. You know, and and as somebody, um, like you said, who didn't necessarily grow up with vinyl, I didn't, you know, I didn't know a lot about the equipment that was required. Now, fortunately, my dad knew all about it, and and uh, um, yeah. I actually have some of his old speakers at my house. These speakers are, I'm not even sure if you can buy speakers like this anymore, but each one of them is the size of a small table. Can you talk a little bit about if you're not, if you haven't done records, you know you need a turntable. What else do you need to get the to to really enjoy, be able to enjoy the sound? Yeah, so a lot of people, uh, especially younger people, are being introduced to vinyl just to the use of a record player. Mm -hmm. uh, a record player is just a little portable unit. You've mm -hmm. got your little, you got a little turntable and a needle and a simple speaker, and that's about it. But it's portable and it's easy. Those back in the day were really meant for 45s mm -hmm. or maybe an extended play, uh, not so much for LPs, but that's where a lot of people are coming into the market by buying a record player, which is less expensive. You can get a record player to do everything for less than you get a turntable. Right. But if you really want to get into the audiophile experience of, of LPs, then you need a turntable and back in my day, that meant you also had to have an amplifier and receiver mm -hmm. and speakers. And each part of that was its own deal. And some people were snobs on speakers. Some were snobs on receivers. Right. And, mm -hmm. But you know, now the technology is so cool. You can buy a, a turntable. And yes, you can get it at Mighty River. You can yeah. get a turntable <laughs> that, that, that connects straight to your speakers mm -hmm. and it uses Bluetooth technology and I've we've got one turntable that you have hit your headphones can plug right into the the turntable itself mm -hmm. or you can do bluetooth to bluetooth speakers or what's really cool is you can do straight digital conversion of your vinyl to your laptop okay all with all with your turntable and you don't even have to have an amplifier or receiver yeah so, and you can get that kind of turntable for 100 bucks right and you know versus spending two and three hundred dollars for each component right you know but you know i'm old school so yeah you know i've, I've got my turntable my amp my receiver my speakers and yep. but I, i'm gonna tell you there's nothing wrong with getting a modern turntable and 
being able to convert it to digital and everything else that you can do now. Right. If you want, but if you're, if you're looking for like legit solid turntables, you need to go and find you one from the eighties. That was the heyday of turntables. Right. Uh, They don't make them like they used to for sure. But a lot of the newer modern turntables have things that you couldn't get back in the eighties. Right. And I definitely recommend belt drive. So, so since you brought that up, briefly explain, if you don't mind, the difference uh, between belt drive and direct drive. Well, you know, belt drive is like this rubber band mm-hmm. that connects the turntable to the, the turntable motor. Mm-hmm. And so you have indirect spinning of your turntable, and it's just much easier to maintain. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easier to refurbish when you have direct drive. And there's actually the cogs in place. They mm-hmm. break when they break down, you're in trouble. I see. When you, have, when you have a belt drive, the belt pops, you just put a new belt on. That's cool. So another thing I wanted to ask you about that you, that you just mentioned too, is the whole uh, 45s versus LPs versus EPs. It's kind of a terminology and a way of distributing music that has gone away. I mean, to a certain extent, I mean, people still put out singles. One thing is, uh, I don't think, you, do you guys carry 45s at, at Mighty River? Yeah, we do vintage. Vintage for us. Okay. So for, for people that are just getting into record collecting, could you talk about what 45s were, why there's this different format? And is, is that something that's, you know, worth buying or worth investing in? Or where do, you, where do they fall within the spectrum of vinyl music? Yeah, you know, 45 collectors are kind of their own thing. The, the 45 was a music industry a promotional thing back you know, in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, when whenever a new album was coming out, mm-hmm. then they would always pick the singles to come off that album mm-hmm. that was supposed to drive the album sales. They'd get the singles out to the radio stations and to the music shops, which is the things that y'all have never enjoyed. Right. Um, but we would go to the, we'd go to the record store mm-hmm. and and we would take the 45s and it would be like a test drive. They would right. let us listen to the 45s in the record store. We couldn't open the albums, mm-hmm. but you listen to the singles and see if you liked it. And that's where that, the term A-side and B-side came from. Okay. A-sides were, were supposed to be the hits. Right. B-sides were like, okay, you get this because there's two sides to this thing. You, yeah. know, you know, the singles that came off the album were released on 45s first, even albums came out mm-hmm. and of course that's what the that's what the radio stations were playing before they had cd and tape and, and that type right. thing. they just put a 45 on and, and play the play the song right so now um they don't really release 45s like they used to they they can but they they charge way too much for them and mm-hmm. it's not not worth it if you really want it you know it's kind of cool to have but they're really a pain in the butt to keep up with mm-hmm. you know and, and you go through the same amount of work to load a to put a forty five on your turntable as you do an LP, right? Getting and you're getting one song. An EP is an extended play, and usually you'll get you know two or three songs per side. Mm-hmm. And then the LP is the long play, and that's where you get the full album. Right. You know, since you're talking about things that are you know before my time, I'm gonna right. I'm gonna talk about something that's actually before your time, and this is just something I've learned reading over the years. In the forties and fifties. Uh, almost no one bought LPs and really the technology for vinyl LPs only became mass produced in the fifties. Almost all music was put out on 45 singles. 
And if you look back at the records for the best-selling singles of all times, they all came out in the 50s and 60s because right. people didn't really spend money right. on full-length albums back then. But a couple of things happened uh, in the early and mid-60s that sort of changed the industry. One was that record companies realized that their profit margins were about three to four times higher on LPs than they were on singles. At the same time, the, the big thing that happened was the Beatles put out Sgt. Pepper's if people started to view yeah. rather than a, an, an album being just sort of a collection of singles. And when you get enough singles put out, you put together an album, more of a, a, a co coherent piece of art because this is your era. I do also want to sort of talk about the whole idea of album oriented rock or, you know, for people that may not be familiar with that term. Can you say a little bit about that, that term and how it relates to vinyl and LPs? Yeah. And you brought up the, the perfect example of Sergeant Pepper's. All right, so if you if you get an Elvis album, you know from the early '60s, it's just a it's just a compilation of Elvis songs, and really it's probably 45s that did well, A's and B sides put just put on an LP mm -hmm. versus Sgt. Pepper's, which was a concept album, mm -hmm. and the Beatles had you know they had a concept for the entire album, and each song had its place. And here's the other thing that's important about LPs that you lose, especially with digital downloads, is each song had a particular order mm -hmm. to be listened to, whereas digital just shuffles it. Right. You know, when you listen to Sgt. Pepper, is there, you know, the Beatles had, the, they had intentionally the, the song format set up for you to listen to on the A side and the B side. Right. Um, and so you have albums like Sgt. Pepper's, you know, Pink Floyd's, both, you know, Dark Side of the Moon or The Wall, mm -hmm. you know, um, Rumors by mm -hmm. Fleetwood Mac's a great example. They, all those albums, they're basically a concept. It's almost like going to a movie and sound mm -hmm. uh, versus just listening to a bunch of songs. Right, right, exactly. And the cool thing was, um, did, did you ever hear, hear the radio station out of Jackson, WZZQ? No. So ZZQ was like the greatest FM radio okay. station ever and it was album rock right you know and during the daytime they you know and they played you know that kind of rock you know all through the day but at nighttime the djs would pick out albums mm -hmm. and they would play the entire album both sides right. straight right. through <laughs> it was like the greatest thing ever man and we would sit right. there and i'd be in greenville mississippi getting i could only get it at night but the signal <laughs> coming there at night and right. I put my cassette in because they were playing whatever album I wanted and couldn't afford yep. to buy. And I would, you know, tape it off the airways. Yeah. <laughs> they were playing it straight the way it's supposed to be. Right. Right. That's pretty cool. It's something that uh, you don't really have an equivalent experience today. No, there are no easy cues <laughs> anymore. So we kind of talked about, you know, vinyl and I look at records from a, very much just from a listening point of view, but there's this whole other side of record collecting, which is, they have a value, a monetary value as a collectible item, at least certain records do. And there's a whole group of, of collectors and enthusiasts that, that really approach it from a, the collectability aspect of it. Can you talk a little, I mean, do, do you, do you collect from that point of view or is it mostly just from music you like? It's mostly music I like, but my collection's old enough that it's developed inherent value and mm -hmm. So I tell you now, today, take care of your albums today so that when mm -hmm. you're old like I am, that inherent <laughs> value will still be there. Right. 
Um, you know, I just think back of, man, if I only had kept such and such album, would it be worth today? You know, <laughs> but I want my album collection, which should last forever, mm-hmm. to pass down to my son who also collects. Okay. You know, so I take care of it, but I have, I have some pieces in my collection that are, they're, they're worth too much to play. If you right. know what I mean. They really yeah. just are. I mean, they're $400 albums and you don't play a $400 album unless you just <laughs> want to suck it up and take the chance. Right. But, I, but, but I collect it and I have it because I think it's really cool. I mm-hmm. love the album. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I like having it in my collection. Those albums, I have represses that I play mm-hmm. so that I scratch it. It's not the end of the world, you know, but then I also, I have CDs that I play so that I listen to them in the car or whatever. So right. All different formats are good. Most of my collection is just stuff I love and I, I keep it. And if I like my old Led Zeppelin, man, you just don't want to take a chance. Right. They're irreplaceable. So I, I play my represses when I'm listening to Led Zepp, but mm-hmm. I'm not about to get rid of my vintage disc. You know, they're, right. there, they're there for sentimental reasons. I don't collect to, to resell. Mm-hmm. I mean, my collection is separate from Mighty River. Mm-hmm. Although Mighty River is what my collection is what got it going. Okay. They're two different things. In fact, when good stuff comes through, I'll grab it for my collection. <laughs> I got you. So real quick, when did Mighty River get started and what made you really take the step from being a collector to owning your own record store? Well, kind of necessity is the mother of invention that four or five years ago, my father-in-law who has always had a knack at just reselling things, had a booth at Levy street of just mm-hmm. knick stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, he loved it and did, you know, just, it was a hobby for him. And then when Papa passed away, you know, we had his booth at Levy street mm-hmm. and we had to do something with it. And so um, we decided to keep it going, just to let it sell out. And then I, you know, my son and I had been talking about how it sucks for Vicksburg even Jackson not to have a legit record store, you know, and I like buying, I still like buying new albums mm-hmm. that have never been played that I'm the only one who has ever played it. Yeah. And there's just, no, there's nothing there. We, we've got end of all music in Oxford. We've got T-Bones and Hattiesburg and that's mm-hmm. about it. Right. So I had some duplicates and out of my collection, I was going to get rid of them. And so I kind of set up a little section for records and Papa's booth and they, the stuff sold. Mm-hmm. And then I connected with Fat Possum Records out of Oxford and was able to get wholesale new albums and started putting a little of their stuff in and it mm-hmm. sold. Okay. And then I got a wholesale connection somewhere else, was able to get a larger catalog mm-hmm. of choices and it sold. And so I just kind of said, well, if, if there's not going to be a record store, you know, a full record store, that's what it is. Records are its thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a side thing. It's the thing. Right. Then, I, and I'll just, we'll do it ourselves. And my son and I came up with the name Mighty River Records. And mm-hmm. so for four years, we've been slowly but steadily growing, growing our inventory, both of uh, new albums and our vintage stuff, growing our CD inventory and all of our, you know, little miscellaneous uh, stuff that goes with it. Yeah. But it just, uh, you know, has just slowly, steadily grown. And I've got a base of regular customers that, you know, that's where they come to shop for records. And kind of, it gives you that experience. There's nothing like flipping through the albums. You know, you can order off of eBay 
Right. Um, but man, it's nothing like just going through the albums and looking for something new or what's come in or, Oh man, I've never seen this or I have not seen this in forever. And yeah. it just it gets you the whole experience to, to be able to pick it up and look at it and look at the disc and all that good stuff. Yeah, I totally agree. I would say it seems like it gets a little bigger every time I go in there. I know it's <laughs> occupying, occupying the same space, so it can't actually be getting bigger, but it seems like it gets bigger just about every time I go in there, which is cool. And uh, yeah, and like you said, I've, I've noticed that you guys, your guys' uh, inventory and the different types of music that you have is sort of broadened out uh, quite a bit over the last couple of years since I've discovered Mighty River and, and been stopping, periodically stopping by there. Um, you mentioned you mentioned Fat Possum out of Oxford. Now, you know, when I stopped by Mighty River Records the first time and I saw that you guys had Fat Possum uh, in your inventory, I thought that was pretty neat because it's one of the, you know, I don't know how many different Mississippi uh, record companies there are out there, but it's one of the few that I am really familiar with and, and, and know about. How did you make that connection with Fat Possum? There, there used to be Morningside Records in Jackson that went mm -hmm. out of business. And they stocked Fat Possum. And when my son was at Ole Miss, he, you know, he frequented End of All Records in Oxford all the time. And mm -hmm. I'm and going up there for Record Store Day, you know, would see all the Fat Possum stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I checked in to, you know, what their inventory was, and their, mm -hmm. and their, you know, their artist catalog is is really strong if you like blues, mm -hmm. and they're really strong in North Mississippi blues, and they have, right. you know, the the distribution rights for all the the North Mississippi blues artists, mm -hmm. you know, like R.L. Burnside, mm -hmm. A.C. Patton, and mm -hmm. Junior Kimbrough, and all those guys, you know, and they and then they have a lot of new artists that are more independent rock that right. are really starting to come on. Like I don't know, if, you know, Soccer Mommy is mm -hmm. a yeah. new artist that's really starting to blow the charts. He's a fat possum. Uh, the fat possum distributes her yeah you know so it, yeah. you know it's cool stuff uh, yeah and, and i just they, they were the first ones i connected with and being from mississippi and it just you know it just flowed i think there's sweet tea also a sweet tea records up that way but mm -hmm. you know, fat possum is the most well known in mississippi you mentioned junior kimbrough i really like him i like him and rl burnside quite a bit um and and for listeners that are familiar with the band the black keys they started on on Fat Possum as well. And really the, the whole reason they started on Fat Possum was because they were huge Junior Kimbrough fans. And, right. uh, and so, yeah, so the Fat Possum, it's a Mississippi label, but they, like you said, they've got some great, great artists, uh, you know, nationally, internationally known artists on the label. So that's really cool. So uh, l let me ask you this. I mean, is there, you know, other things about in general about the vinyl industry that you think, uh, that, that have surprised you as you've become a record store owner or that you think would surprise our listeners to, to learn, I mean, uh, about how vinyl really works in, in 2020. Virtually all of the, the new music coming out there is being released on vinyl as mm -hmm. well. So okay. definitely CDs and digital downloads, digital downloads, most popular format CDs are number two, but CDs are plummeting. CD right. sales are, new CD sales are really dropping out big time. Mm -hmm. 
and then vinyl. And vinyl is steadily growing, has been doing so since 2007, grew 25% last year, over 14 million albums sold last year. Wow. So, so it won't be long before vinyl is back, is, will be number two behind digitals. But what's cool about an album, you buy an album, most of them will have a digital download that goes with it. Exactly, from, yeah. <laughs> uh, so all the new music coming out is being released on vinyl mm -hmm. and then uh, they're steadily going back to all the great old albums and repressing them right and, you know there aren't many artists left that have not gone back and repressed their old catalog right the great artists like jimmy page when led zeppelin re-released their catalog with repressed vinyl uh, they did so with Paige going through and meticulously listening to the original master tapes right. and going straight from the masters to vinyl and to preserve, you know, that sound. So when you listen to a Led Zeppelin repress out that came out, what, four years ago, mm -hmm. that it's the, it's the same as listening to what came out in, you know, in 78. Right. You know? So right. it's, if it, when it's done right, it's wonderful. Yeah, but totally agree. The new music coming out that's going to vinyl, they're using digital technology, but that's what the production called for. Right. So you're hearing what the artist is wanting you to hear. That's yeah. the main. Yeah, and and there are artists out there. There, are, so so one that one of the main ones that comes to mind is is Jack White. But there there are artists out there that do still record in analog and use an analog board and. And all those things. Dave Grohl is the other guy I was trying to Dave think Grohl, of. Yeah, yeah, that, that are really um, refuse to use anything digital. Which I don't know if that's you know if that's if that's their passion. That's cool. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that just enjoy the warmth that you get from from analog equipment. Um, but like you say, it's really about the engineering too. About what what are you intended right, so, to hear? Well, let um, me share with you. Lazaretto, but Jack White is mm -hmm. a concept album, mm -hmm. and when you buy the LP, it plays backwards okay <laughs> that's weird so you put the needle at the center and it plays from inside to outside okay and, that, and that's jack white you know that yeah he he had a, a that was part of the experience of buying the album versus the cd or the digital download mm -hmm. you know that and he understands that if you don't have sonic highways by foo fighters mm -hmm. i mean you're missing out since you're pointing out albums that you like, let me ask you this question. This is definitely highly subjective. It's a personal opinion, but I just be interested to hear what you have to say. Let's say somebody starting cold, no records in their collection and they want to get into this. What is, you know, two, three, five albums, a short list of albums that you feel for any collector is sort of a must have just because of the sound or the overall, you know, quality of the album. And just for the sake of making it fun, let's make it things that were originally released on vinyl. Sure. My go-to would be, you've already mentioned Sgt. Peppers. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you don't have Sgt. Peppers in your collection, then you're not legit. <laughs> um, but I would put number one for me is Led Zeppelin 4. And then I would put, for me, I'd put Led Zeppelin 4. I'd put Purple Rain by Prince, which was released on vinyl. Right, right. Yeah. I'd put that number two. I would put Sergeant Pepper's number three, and I would put Dark Side of the Moon number four. Okay. Put Rumors number five. You know, in preparing for this conversation, you know, I was I was going to ask you this question, and so I wrote down just for fun. I wrote down my list of five, and for my listeners, you know, we did not we did not uh, coordinate this beforehand, 
in my fourth spot, I had Led Zeppelin four or Sergeant Peppers. Um, okay. And, okay. And, and, the, and the way I looked at that, I mean, in my mind, the way I look at it is sort of like Sergeant Peppers is kind of like the beginning of album oriented rock. And Led Zeppelin four is sort of like the peak. Now I'll tell you, uh, Led Zeppelin four was the, like the direct connection between the old blues, right. Delta blues guys and mm-hmm. modern rock is right. what translated it to the forefront of young mm-hmm. people's minds. Right. Great album. And I have some different, I have, a, I have a few more country ones on there. I know you're not a country music fan, but yeah, I, you know. I sell it only cause I have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's an album by Willie Nelson that I really love called Stardust. And it's not really fair to call it a country album because it's 10 pop standards from the thirties and forties that he covered in the late seventies. To me, that's, that's one of my favorites. Uh, the album Asia by Steely Dan is oh, one. Yeah. 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 It's one that I think sounds great on vinyl and you just, oh, you, you can't get the experience uh, just about anywhere else. And then another one that I, some listeners may be familiar with, but there's a, even before Sergeant Peppers, you know, which a lot of people think is the first concept album, Frank Sinatra put out an album called In the Wee Small Hours of the Morning. And we got it. We got it in stock. And yeah, that's in stock too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but, but that, I believe in the Wee Small Hours, it was yeah. in 1963. So it was a few years before the Beatles and it was a lot of people consider it to be one of the first concept albums. It's a beautiful album and it's one that's basically Frank Sinatra was, you know, going through one of his many uh, tumultuous uh, romantic relationships and wanted to put out an album that was just pretty good for kind of staying up late and and, uh, smoking a cigarette and, you know, feeling blue and, and, and it, it really captures that feeling. So every person would probably give you five different ones, but, those are there's definitely some albums out there that I would say I agree are must-haves and Sgt. Pepper's Led Zeppelin four for sure in just about any collection uh, you got to have them. Um, all right, so we're getting we're getting kind of close to uh, to the end of time here, but uh, I, I want to thank you, Dr. Andy, again for for being uh, on the show. I've learned a lot about vinyl. Good to talk to somebody who is even more enthusiastic about vinyl than I am. And, uh, and uh, I will be stopping uh, back by a mighty river record soon. Uh, and also I will just want to mention for our listeners, uh, thanks for sticking with us uh, through any audio hiccups that we have. We are keeping social distance and recording this uh, remotely, uh, this conversation, uh, each of us from our home. So we're kind of making sure we do the best with that. But Dr. Edney, I appreciate you being on the show. I enjoyed the conversation and look forward to to, talking to you again sometime. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Chris. Good luck with the podcast. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Music of the River City. I enjoyed talking to Dr. Edney, his enthusiasm for music and vinyl, and picking up some practical tips for collecting vinyl. If you caught last week's episode with Ralph Miller, thanks for coming back. If not, make sure you get caught up before our next episode comes out. Please like and subscribe to Music of the River City so you'll be automatically notified when new episodes come out. If you have questions, comments, or know someone who would like to be featured on the podcast, please contact me at musicoftherivercity at yahoo.com. That's all one word, musicoftherivercity at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening to Music of the River City. Thank you.